everybody welcome back to garage talk as always i'm conrad let's go i'm ted it's time to rock and roll hey ted today in the garage we have madison grant girls basketball coach jace martin how are we doing i'm doing well thanks for having me hey thanks for coming we appreciate you yeah traveling all this way well anytime <laughs> i get the chance to talk about coaching and basketball there are a few things that i that i talk about more yeah. and <laughs> when i told my wife that some guys wanted to talk to me about it and that she didn't have to come and didn't have to listen to it at all <laughs> she was she was thrilled because she uh I talk at her a lot about yeah. basketball. Yeah. Coaching, so. yeah, yeah, there's a lot of frustration and adulation sometimes, and they can't tell the difference. Well, and just strategizing and just, I mean, Kendall knows more about Madison Grant High School girls basketball than she ever wants. I mean, just <laughs> just about the girls' lives yeah, and what's yeah, going on. Yeah. And, uh, what do you think I should do in this situation? What should we do in this situation? So, yeah, she's the, the most underpaid assistant coach in oh, the Oh, wow. In Does the she know her X's and O's? Uh Ooh, uh, well, okay. I don't think she'll listen to this. So no, not really. <laughs> but she knows people, and she knows she knows how kids operate. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, ninety percent of the battle. I believe coaching has a real assimilation to uh, job management. Yeah, putting and, people in the right places to be successful, mm-hmm. and knowing how to motivate people, and, and especially mm-hmm. kids, and um, understanding what makes them tick. And Kendall's very, very good at that. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's like we, we tell, just flowed right into this. Yeah, and that, that's like you know we tell we tell our coaches, so, man, your spouse has got to be the rock star in the in the, in the home. I mean, if it's what she's got to put up with, what they hear. Yeah. Uh, do you guys know the name Todd Law? Uh-huh. He was the girls basketball coach at Oak yep. Hill for a long time. Yep. Won a state championship there. I'm an Oak Hill grad, and uh, I'm a I'm a few years older than Todd's son Michael. Mm-hmm. And when I was considering taking this job, mm-hmm. I took Michael out to lunch and asked him what it was like to be the child of a of a varsity head coach and he gave a he gave me some really good pointers on how to to make this work well um and he he gave kendall some good ideas about about how to make this adjustment so that was huge to to be able to do that and to have kendall support and um and to hear people's opinions and yeah uh (laughs) This year it was it was not bad. She yeah. sits she sits real tight behind the bench. So. <laughs> oh, she does. Okay. So they, I would I would have to hear it if if she did. But yeah, no. Uh, people at Madison Grant have been fantastic this year. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid we got spoiled this year with how great the parents and kids were. So yeah. That's always a plus. It is when the parents are already on board. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, it just incredible support. Um, uh, people at one point. Uh, you know, you know how like we have like a food list for away games. But mm-hmm. We didn't have anybody sign up for the sectional games, uh, and so when I sent out a text saying, "Hey, would anybody be willing to bring food for the sectional game?" Uh, within minutes, I had four parents sign wow. up and say, "Yeah, I'll do it," and had to tell three. Did of you them have no the good rough. stuff, man? Uh, they, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> got, got Subway sandwiches. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. That's it. Was, it. Yeah. yeah, it was for real. You gotta love those bench parents. Yes, you do. That's, yeah. yeah. So uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, man. Some yeah. background on Jace Martin. Yeah, I graduated from Oak Hill in 2013. Uh, played soccer and basketball and baseball there. And uh, Kendall, uh, my wife, was a year ahead of me at Oak Hill. Uh, we went to Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, where I played soccer and basketball. 
um, got a job uh, at a church in Colorado Springs, lived out there for three years, and uh, got into coaching out there, coaching basketball. I was on a uh, high school girls staff at Fountain Fort Carson High School. And uh, in 2020, we moved back here, um, and I started doing some freelance writing stuff and got hooked up with Compete Training Academy. Uh, are you guys familiar with Compete Training Academy? Hmm. It's uh, Courtney Moses. Okay, yep. And her, her and her husband. Yep. Um, they, they do basketball training and a whole crap ton of other stuff uh-huh. out of their barn. Uh, and so I started training for them. And got to train some really high level basketball players and and worked. Uh, that right, sounds right so under Indiana. Yeah, I'm, oh, it, yeah. Well, in the barn. <laughs> so um, so the the most uh, the if I could have told like eighth grade Jace this story, he would have he would have crapped his pants. But I there was a session that we were working at Lewis Jackson, who's mm-hmm. Purdue's all time winningest point guard. Um, he was he he now trains full time for CTA. Um, that'd be a big get. Uh-huh. I'll get you guys his number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he'd love to come on. Uh, working out him, Spike Albrecht, who played at Michigan uh-huh. uh, when they made their deep tournament run, and he in the Sweet Sixteen made uh, scored sixteen points in just a short amount of time or something like that. And Robert Vaden, who played at IU, uh-huh. and uh, all three of them were working out at the same time, and we were working them out, and it was just nuts. Man. It was like it was like Big Ten, uh, yeah, middle school Jace. Big Ten, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So you just kind of fell into coaching, huh? Well, uh, my dad coached um, high school boys and girls and basketball and, and some other sports um, so that there was always a chance that this was going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, I only played one year at Ozark Christian College and really just wasn't enjoying basketball or sports anymore. And so I finished my college career um, as just a normal student. And then after a couple of years in Colorado, um, not doing anything with sports, I realized how much I missed it. And I um, got connected with with a local high school there. And uh, Coach Luann Guyton was nice enough to let me me hang out and be on her staff. And then she um, uh, ended up coaching the the girls' C team. And, yeah, went from there. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. What's the difference between basketball in Indiana and Colorado? Well, oh my gosh, okay, so much. Well, so uh, Colorado, Fountain Fort Carson High School is a massive high school. I mean, really? 2,000 kids. Man. Uh, one of the big, the biggest high school in Colorado Springs. Um, and so it was just an insane number in of just athletes. the high school? Just the high school. Yeah, 500 wow. kids a class. Yeah, nuts. I mean, it's a college campus, basically. Yeah, crazy. Um and the, the reason I got hooked up with the high school program is because I applied for the middle school head coaching job, which around here, that is basically herding 12 cats and, you know, trying to make sure they don't kill each other. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I thought I was applying for. And I think the reason I didn't get that job is because in the interview, one of the questions I asked was how many kids try out a year? at the middle school program and coach Guyton said, well, about a hundred or 120. And Whoa. I made the same face Ted just made, which was, <laughs> which was shocked. And I'm sure at that moment they thought we're not hiring this kid. Uh, so they, they said no to that job, but then I uh, kept in contact with coach Guyton and, and volunteered for her. So the athletes at a massive school are just, they are just wildly athletic. Um, they also, because it was such a big school, uh, they kind of they kind of have to specialize. I mean, uh-huh. we don't have as many didn't have as many multi sport athletes as you would at a Madison Grant, and so they were playing basketball year round, which uh, I mean shows on the court. Um, 
but but yeah, just the the wild athleticism is the biggest difference that that I see. Man, I couldn't handle <laughs> even how to come up with that tryout. Oh man, it would have to be days of tryouts. Uh, it was it yeah. was it was days of tryouts. It was putting tape on kids' jerseys with their names on them and giving them a so so like it'd be like forty four Jace Martin, and then we all the coaches would carry a tryout sheet around mm-hmm. and um, I mean. It's a sad situation, but you knew immediately who was going to make the team and who wasn't. You right. knew the the fifty kids who had yeah. been coming to summer workouts, and so it uh, you never really had to learn all their names. But I mean, it was intense. It was, uh, yeah, it was a wild situation. Man, I can't imagine. I mean, it sounds like it'd be fun to watch all those <laughs> oh, amazing yeah. athletes go at it. Yeah. You know, just for what uh, A and B team? So what, eighteen kids? <laughs> Well, and then they had a they had an intramural league too because they had so many kids try out. So you tried out for the A, B, and C team, and then if you didn't make the A, B, or C team, you get you still were able to play in an intramural league, um, just because they had you know seventy some kids who wow. didn't get to make a travel team. That's a lot. That's a lot. So did you know not veering veering off of coaching? Because I heard you say soccer. Mm-hmm. How did you get into soccer? Did you play soccer in high school? I did. I played football my freshman year and then realized I don't like getting tackled. And <laughs> the soccer team, uh, my freshman year, it was announced that soccer was going to class soccer. And so um, for, you know, for years and years, Oak Hill had lost to Marion in the sectional championship. But I knew that my junior year would be the first year for class soccer and we wouldn't have to play Marion in the sectional. Oh. I wanted to win sectional <laughs> championships. And yeah. I knew that they needed a goalkeeper in two years. So... I started working my tail off and became a goalkeeper oh. um, and then just had ridiculously good soccer teams at Oak Hill um, my, my junior and senior years and won sectional championships. And like, 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 so my teammates were so good that there were games where I wouldn't even touch the ball as the goalkeeper because, oh my. because they were just so talented that, um, yeah, it, yeah, it was, I felt like I was doing a really good job. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't doing anything. You had a shot out that yeah, night. Yeah. 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 That's As awesome. A, Conrad's daughter was actually the goalie for our soccer team. Yeah, too. she's uh, all of five foot one inch. Okay. And that's, Is it Savannah? Which, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. With shoes on. Okay. And uh, But she uh, has a huge heart. So okay. Yeah, she was not afraid of contact. Yeah, you have to be pretty gutsy. Yeah. And, and you have to be willing or, or able to be embarrassed a little bit. I mean, there's there's – especially this is not meant to make fun of Indiana soccer people, but most high school soccer fans don't necessarily know the game a ton. Mm-hmm. So when a goal is scored, it really looks like it's the goalkeeper's fault. I mean, it really, <laughs> right. it really looks like you're the one person down there who just gave up a goal. I had to have it explained to me <laughs> that, you know, there's other defense. Savannah's the last line of defense because I'd be like, dude, why didn't you lay out for that? Yeah. She was like, why don't you get in a box see what you can do? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't have done that. I, the only thing I can stop is, uh, well, I can't even stop doing that, eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at some but, point. Yeah, but soccer to me was like totally not what I expected. Very physical at the high school level. And even like when I watch a pro game, extremely, extremely hard to remember the rules. Really? <laughs> yeah, I. Okay. it took – it took me four years before I finally clicked. This is what offsides, offsides is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Well, even Victor taught you some things this yeah, year. Yeah, Victor didn't he? did. 
I'm making myself sound like an idiot. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no, it took me four it. years to. Oh, okay, all right. Then that's when it clicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oak Hill was a very dominant soccer school there for a while. Yeah, and actually, uh, there still kind of are. Well, yeah. So they, uh, I don't know how much you guys know, but they had a, a coach named Joel Garvrick who uh, this was his first year not coaching at Oak Hill. He and his wife moved to Tennessee, but he was in my class and he was our center back. And he was the reason that there were many games I didn't touch the ball because he was so talented. Uh, And so he, uh, there was a period where my class came up and we were very, very good. And then there was a small lull. And then when Joel came and took the head coaching job, I think he got the head coaching job at the age of 24. um, He, he brought it back and they won a couple sectionals and a regional. That's awesome. It is. That's I know we always had it circled on the schedule. I think Savannah is uh, one one and one okay. against Oak Hill. Okay, and I, of course you know Coach Wilson coached at Oak yeah. Hill for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coach Wilson uh-huh. coached my wife at Oak Hill. Okay, oh, really? yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. Well, Under with with Coach, uh, put a bug in her ear. Well, yeah, and, and she yeah she's awesome. We yeah. just going back into coaching now for you. What are you looking to do? With the Madison Grant program, uh, not to put you on the spot, but, well, yeah, I mean, but uh, to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, the big picture, uh, the phrase we use is we want to create lifelong exercisers who mm-hmm. learn lifelong lessons and who develop a lifelong love of sports. Yes, um, that that's that's what we want to do, and uh, of course, there's a ton that comes with that. And I also want to win basketball games and and want to want to create good basketball players. Um, but yeah, the, the creating a place where kids are safe and loved and know that they're safe and loved and want to continue playing basketball. Um, the, the goal for all of our programs, sixth, seventh, eighth in high school. And at some point when we move down to the lower ages is that the goal would be every kid wants to play basketball again next year. Yeah. That's how we're, that's how we'll consider ourselves successful. Coaching is just such a big, huge puzzle. You have so many different pieces. You got to Know your X's and O's. You got to be going back to that manager, being a manager. Then you got to go into, you know, building relationships, maintaining those relationships, making everybody feel like you have, you know, some, an importance to the team. It, it it's a lot. And it's so much more than I realized. I mean, sitting here in February, I mean, it is just the, the, the number of decisions that I had to make this year that I just had no concept for. Stuff like, what are we going to wear on game days? Or mm-hmm. um, uh, at what time do we want the bus to leave? Stuff like that. I mean, it is, yeah, it's, I'm learn, I learned every day just how big this whole situation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when you, when, when you say what to wear on game day do you mean like to school or do you mean like on the bus ride on the bus ride i didn't even mess with with what to wear on game days i mean i didn't i didn't even delve into that there's so many things that like i, I see other programs and i i think i, I haven't even touched that i haven't yeah. even thought about that so no we didn't even talk about what to wear on on game days but no yeah wh- what to wear on the bus and and you know oh gosh like when we get to the school do the girls do the varsity girls need to put on their warm-up pants and warm-up shirt or just keep their travel <laughs> gear on i mean yeah just so much of that that um but yeah, I just wasn't aware the decisions needed to be made. I think a lot of that is how how 
controlling your personality is. and the mm-hmm. answer is almost always i don't care girls what do you guys right <laughs> I mean, like really like uh, i i don't care about this one you guys figure it yeah, out team captain decisions. yeah yeah whatever you guys want to do i yeah i really don't care yeah that's, that's a, what a lot of them came down to or did you let your you had two seniors or uh one? we yeah, we had two seniors think, plus yeah, a two. foreign exchange student okay. who could only play jv okay yeah. uh did you let the seniors handle the Day to day operations. This, this might sound crazy, and I wardrobe. might. I might uh, walk this back in a few years. I'm not a huge fan of like uh, class divisions and like letting seniors do things and making freshmen carry water bottles and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm just not a huge fan of that. So it was always just a whole team decision. And you know what? I'm not either. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, it was painful. Um, I'm going to say this name, and we'll probably talk about her again. Daya Green yeah, was uh-huh. our was our um, was our point guard. And um, watching her carry water bottles at the end of the year onto the bus and help un- unload the bus, uh, that, that's just huge for uh-huh. our freshmen who probably were expecting to have to be the ones to carry the basketballs to away games and put the basketball rack in the locker room after practice. But um, get, getting to a point where it doesn't matter what age you are, um, just because you know you were made to do these things as a freshman doesn't mean that you get to do that to the Cultures change. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, they're just such, such fantastic kids that – it's so easy to do, and, and there's no complaining. There's no there's no whining about stuff like that. They they shouldn't look at certain jobs as demeaning. I think everybody in the team, because I know yeah. I get the feeling that you wouldn't ask those girls to do something that you weren't willing to do. Well, and that so our assistant coaches are fantastic, and uh, our managers carry armfuls of things, and then our assistant coaches carry armfuls of things. And if there's stuff left over, then we ask the girls to help. Um, yeah, I mean, it's um, we don't want it to be demeaning. We also say, like, the, the definition we used all year is leadership is being able to see and meet needs outside of yourself. Um, real good, actual leaders are so not focused on themselves and they're focused mm-hmm. on their teammates and the people around them. Uh, and so it's not just that the job isn't demeaning. It's that being a leader means that you see a need. I, I see that we almost walked away and left the bag of basketballs there. I'm going to go pick that up. I saw that Coach Martin left his scorebook on the on the bench. I'm going to go pick that up. Um, that type of stuff isn't just not demeaning. It's, it's legit leadership. Yeah. yeah. Leaders eat last. Yeah, teamwork, Ted. Were you, were you a military guy? No. Okay, because I think that's a military thing that leaders eat last in the, yeah. In the military. Yeah. yeah. So – Going going even deeper than just your varsity girls, what does your developmental program look like? What is going on at the middle school to prepare those girls for when they get to Coach Martin? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a guy named Kim Zolman who was the coach at Wawasee High School in the late 90s, early 2000s. His daughter was Shauna Zolman. She was the state scoring leader for a long time until it was recently broken. Uh, he moved to our area recently and I go to church with him. And so we have met uh, several times. And one of the pieces of advice he gave me was um, work your way down in ages as far as where your attention is. So start with your high school program, make sure that's, that's solidified and then work middle school and then work upper elementary and then work lower elementary. Okay. So I have not touched elementary basketball at all this year. Um, and I'm getting antsy about it, but it's okay. <laughs> so middle school, uh, we ha- we have some very good middle school coaches down there who work hard. Um, but our our varsity girls have led a middle school practice. Uh, I lead a middle school practice every as often as I can. Turn, turned out to be about once a month. 
Um, we uh, on our senior night, we invited the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teams to come into the locker room with us pre and pre-game and uh, halftime and and post-game. Um, just trying to see what a um, what a varsity locker room looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a we have a varsity player who is probably wanting to do something with uh, middle schoolers when she gets out of high school, and so she is currently uh, working with our sixth grade team right now in an assistant coach capacity. Um, so maybe it's just me trying to get stuff off my off my task list, but our, our high school girls are doing a ton. To, you got a coaching apprenticeship? Is that what you're saying? It's turning into that. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, it That's is. So, <laughs> so, again, like trying to create a lifelong love of basketball. Yeah. Um, we have some girls who are just really interested in basketball and are recognizing how much fun it is and how – how all the intricacies work, and um, it's been really fun. Jasmine Rainey is, is her name. Uh, she's a sophomore who started most of our games this year. Um, but, yeah, coaching apprenticeship would be would be really, really fun, and I, I hope that comes through. So what, what, with all the anxiousness about touching the rec league? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, it's also uh, – it's also just a unique type of coaching. Um, it's a unique situation to be able to coach young kids and even to be able to coach middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, there are elementary-specific situations that arise that you, you don't get to understand when you watch college basketball or when you watch mm-hmm. the pros. And so you have to have a very specific emphasis on youth basketball, in my, in my mind, based off what, what I've experienced working for CTA. And... Um, and there are, in my opinion, a lot of misconceptions and misperceptions about what elementary basketball players need. Um, and my entire goal is to get kids to, to fall in love with the game of basketball at a young age so that when they get to the high school, not only are they, are they good at basketball, but they are enjoying it so much that they, that they want to keep playing. So um, the earlier we can get that started, the better. Um, I'm just feeling the, the, the tick-tock of the clock that, uh, some, you know, next year those girls are going to be at the middle school. Right. We've done enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it'll all come and it'll, it'll well, be Well, you're okay. pretty young, man, so. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I'm learning and, yeah. and have a lot to figure out. My thinking on rec league as time has gone on has, has been pretty fluid, changes a lot. Okay. But – in my eyes, I, for me, I, I think the practice and fundamentals are so much more meaningful. And for those those kids to have fun doing it than the little $7, 3-inch chrome-plated plastic trophy that they, <laughs> they win for these <laughs> basketball games that the parents lose their minds on these officials uh-huh. about. Yeah, yeah. So and I could be wrong. Well, okay. So you just use a term there, so. fundamentals. Can I can I push back a little bit? Yeah. Let's okay. Hit, okay. Let's okay. okay. So fundamentals are fantastic. I think one of the opinions I have about youth basketball mm-hmm. is um, we make we separate when we talk about fundamentals. We separate the action. Uh, let's take shooting a left-handed layup, for example. We separate the action of being able to physically shoot a left-handed layup, and we separate it from the perception of when should I shoot a left-handed layup in a game? When should I shoot this basketball with my left hand in a game? And so much of what I see in youth basketball is separating the perception and action and only teaching the action. Mm -hmm. And so then when we get in live actual game play, Mm -hmm. 
we don't know when we're supposed to shoot it with our left hand or we don't know when we're supposed to shoot it. And so um, my, my personal opinion, and I could be wrong and I, I am happy to walk this back at some point, but my personal opinion is everything we do, even at the elementary level needs to pair perception and action because that's that, the tr- when we say we want the fundamental of being able to shoot a left-handed layup, what we actually mean is we want a kid to be able to make a left-handed layup in a game against a defender to win a sectional championship. We just don't we don't just want them to be able to you know make it make it a hundred times in a practice right. with one on zero. The, the actual fundamental is being able to do it in a game against a defender off contact. Uh, yeah, through contact mm-hmm. and and being able to focus on the correct things and heck maybe even make a pass because you, it wasn't you shouldn't have shot the left mm-hmm. hand. So um, the fundamental there. When I, when I hear the word fundamental, I automatically assume it's just the action. What I want to start assuming is it is the perception and the action. Um, so at the high school and at the middle school level, um, and, and hopefully, again, once I work out uh, how, how to make this work, even at the lower levels, there are five things that everything we do in practice includes. includes a ball. Um, it includes an opponent. It includes a decision of some sort. Um, it includes a consequence and it includes some sort of guidance. So we're letting the kids play. They have a bunch of freedom. They are getting to compete the entire time. Um, but they are, it's, it's structured. It is, um, it's helping them get better at what we would consider to be the fundamentals, (laughs) but the end game of the fundamentals being able to do it in a game is always on our mind. Uh, and so one of the guidance that we give to our middle school coaches is don't do anything in practice that a kid could do by herself in her driveway. You have this opportunity where you have four, five, six, seven kids in a gym, let them play with each other. I mean, let them do things that they can only do when they have opponents with them. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's, that's my yeah, thought on, yeah. on I fundamentals. Like I like that. That's, yeah. Cause that, tomorrow I'll, I'll, my feet hit, will hit the ground and I will have a totally different idea of <laughs> what, what yeah. rec league should look like. Yeah. I promise you. Well, I, the more and, I think on it. And he hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's, you know, we're teaching them fundamentals, but like he said, you know, it's okay. I can shoot a left-handed layup now, but so you got to put that perception in there. When do I have to use this? Because I'm seeing a lot more now than I used to, especially boys. Uh, you're going down, you're on the left side of the bucket, and they're sure. this, the right-handed layup still. That's, sure. that's become big. Sure. And, and so we're getting into the nitty-gritty now. But there's uh, we often think that um, uh, th- there's a book called How We Learn to Move by a guy named Rob Gray, and it's about how athletes learn to be athletes. And the, the illustration he uses is we often think that uh, a left-handed layup in a basketball game is like a CEO. My brain is like the CEO of a company, and the CEO makes a decision and then tells the rest of the body, uh, the rest of his workers, to do this thing. That's not how it works at all. He, he would say it's more like a, a flock of birds who just naturally um, – there's no, there's no necessary leader. There's, they all just know what the others are going to do, and they yeah. naturally figure it out together. That's how our bodies actually work. That's how perception actually works. So what I was always taught was stand here and make 15 left-handed layups in a row, and then uh, we've added that tool to your arsenal. And then when you get muscle in the game, memory. muscle memory. Yeah, uh-huh. so Rob Gray would say muscle memory is a myth. It does not exist. <laughs> he would say what exists is knowing the millions of different variables um, when I go to shoot this left-handed light, there are a million different things could happen. The defender uh-huh. could be one centimeter away. They could be two centimeters away. How do I handle all those things? So he would say Steph Curry 
perhaps you guys might disagree, but perhaps the best shooter that the world has ever uh-huh. seen. It's not that he has great muscle memory. It's just that he has a database in his head of so many different variables that he can make adjustments, minuscule adjustments in real time to, to make a shot. Yeah. So he knows his body naturally knows like a flock of birds. I am a foot and a half behind the three point line versus 19 inches behind the uh-huh. three point line and knows naturally, not naturally because it's just, pure hard work, but knows instinctively how hard and what angle I have right. to shoot this basketball. Wow. <laughs> that, that's a pretty good perspective. I'm telling right you. <laughs> I like it. it it's, it's, it's hard in practice. But to be constantly thinking, I think that's something that we've taken away from kids. Mm-hmm. I, I remember if I had a book report on something I didn't know, I'd have to go to the library and grab me an encyclopedia I don't think kids have that in their vocabulary. So, okay. So, man, okay. This is so much fun. Okay. So, yeah. uh, so one of the things we use is the constraints-led approach, which is, um, so a, a classic drill would be we all line up at the top of the key. I tell you, make a, make a crossover, uh, get to the, take one dribble, shoot a right-handed layup. And then the next time I tell you, make a crossover, shoot a left-handed layup. That is, uh, that is like Google, in my mind. That is like what kids today have. It's a prescribed thing. I don't have to do any work. I don't have to think about anything. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I can Google this and I know exactly the right answer. So the constraints led approach would be, um, I, as the coach, I'm going to be a dummy defender and I'm going to, when it's your turn to go, I'm going to position myself in one way or the other. And you have to read where I am and you have to then go to the basket and you have to, um, you have to, uh, I would say, touch the right side of the paint, but then finish with your left hand. Figure out a way to get to the right side of the paint, but then shoot it with your left hand. Whatever that looks like for you, you get to decide. You get to figure this out. You get to explore. Um, and so we're, we're giving them constraints. Here are some rules you have to follow. But other than that, it's it's totally up to you. We're not prescribing things. We are letting you We are letting you use the encyclopedia. Here's the library. Here's Heck, here's the section of the library we need you to look at. But other than that, go go find whatever book you want. Watching a game when your kid's not playing and your team's not in it, you can relax and, and, and see the game as mm-hmm. it is. And I'm talking to Deanna, and I'm like, that girl is way taller. There, there's a mismatch down at the, on the block. Shot fake, get her up in the air, lean into her body, get the foul called. If she doesn't, and she's a disciplined defender, and she's just standing straight up like a skyscraper, mm-hmm. look for somebody, kick it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't see that anymore. Yeah. So in, in my mind, a, a post player like that potentially was taught, here are three moves. Here's an up and under. Here's a drop step. Here's mm-hmm. a, a, I don't know, fake reverse pivot, go right. up. And if that current situation doesn't call for any of those three moves, she's probably in trouble. I mean, uh-huh. she probably doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to, to work herself out of that, doesn't know how to pivot, doesn't know all the, the millions, infinite options available to her at that moment. Um, and, and I don't think that's the player's fault in, mm. my, in my mind. I don't either. That's, it's, the game's just evolved so much differently, which, you know, I'm, I'm way older than you two. So I can remember that. Back in the day, that there wasn't no such thing as a floater. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was always it, yeah. it was you had step a big. There's a pick and roll. They ran a pick and roll all the time. You're yeah. looking at your big first thing. Yeah. Now, now you got Luca out there shooting from half court, no problem. Yeah. The, this, 
is going to make me sound like one of those guys who's wagging his finger. I'm the old man. But if I was playing a pickup game, which I haven't in a while, you wouldn't catch me doing a step back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the first time I seen a rec league kid step back, take a shot. I was saying under my breath, and, and the official that I had hired for that game – or Kevin Barrow. Oh, I play with Kevin. Kevin. I play pick up with Kevin quite yeah. a bit. He's fun. Kevin, he he heard me, and Kevin knows who I am. So he kind of looked at me. He goes, he's collecting himself. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin had already already uh, acclimated sure. himself sure. to what was coming, yeah. to mm-hmm. what will be the norm. Yeah, yeah. And an official like Kevin is so highly trained, and the mm-hmm. IHSAA is just in constant communication with them that – he, he knows what to expect, and he, he knows what's coming. He does, and he's really good, too. He he's is, yeah. very, no matter what sport he's doing. He, at one point, I'm sure lots of officials use this, but at one point uh, during the during a game this year that he was officiating of ours, um, I was a little further out on the court than he would like, and I was talking to our girl, so he wasn't mad or anything, but he said, um, do you want a leash or do you want a number? And I was, <laughs> I was very confused. <laughs> But he said, I can either put a leash on you and keep you to the bench, or I can give you a number and you can play in the game if you want to be, be out here on the court. Well, that's good. He yeah. had a sense of humor. Yeah, so. yeah. he's fun. Kevin he is. is always he, – he was always one of my my favorite <clears throat> officials to have out there, whether he was umpiring. I've even seen him on the soccer field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he does soccer. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's now, yeah, this, this was your first year, but, you know, we like to put you guys on the spot. Okay. Discipline. Mm-hmm. You've always got your team rules. So let's say it's the day before a big game. One of your better players skips practice for some reason, and you hear the reason why and you don't like it. Mm-hmm. What what's what kind of discipline are you looking at the next day? Um the the obvious answer is depends on the kid, depends on the situation. Right. Um depends on how well how well we know the kid how many times this has happened before. Um, we don't have a set – when I first started coaching, I I'll had, make it easier on you. Okay, okay. You find out it's Valentine's Day, uh-huh. <laughs> and they went to a movie with their sweetheart. They skipped practice and to they go skip to a movie. The <sighs> And, Boy, I'm gonna dodge this question really well. <laughs> it would be a, it would be a conversation about hey, help me understand why you you felt the need to do this. Like, is, is something not going well? Is there is there something she, that they are in love? Okay, okay. <laughs> then yeah, it, I mean, it would probably depending on the other thing is is this a JV player? Is this a is this True. a varsity starter? Mm-hmm. Is this a varsity this is bench your player? Leading scorer. Okay, then yeah, they definitely wouldn't start. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the way I'm going to dodge this question is I have four assistant coaches who would all help me make this decision. <laughs> so, you oh, know what? Powwow. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll text you tomorrow after okay. I get to call, the, <laughs> call the assistants to discuss yeah. this hypothetical situation. Okay. No, no re- that's re- usually the answer we get. You know, at least one, they're setting at least one quarter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it would just be really difficult to do that. And I've got another one after that. Oh, after okay. You. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm done with that question. No, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they definitely would not get to start. Um, and, the, and, and there would be, there would be a conversation and a discussion and helping them understand why this isn't okay. And yeah. um, the other options available to them. Our other favorite question, and I, some of our loyal listeners have heard it before, but it's, 
I'm wondering if we're going to get the same answer, but we've asked several different coaches. You have a starting five. Mm-hmm. You're going into the end of the first quarter. You're down 16. You make your adjustments in the second quarter. Now you're up two at half. Who starts after halftime? Uh, the adjustments we make in the second quarter is about personnel. I mean, who's on yeah. who's on the court? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, once again, I'm going to punt to the assistants. <laughs> uh, no, but well, I would say if there is a key strategic adjustment we need to make at halftime, that will impact who starts. So, for instance, there are, there's a specific defense we run that we only run when one specific person is on the court. If this player isn't on the court, it's just really hard for us. It's a, it's a trapping 2-3. It's a really extended, extended aggressive. If that's what was working in the second quarter and we want to pick that up again in the third quarter, we will talk about that before we go into the locker room, and that automatically means that this player will, will be on the court. Okay. And I, I think that's, uh, that's yeah. something that our girls understand. And, mm-hmm. and so we tell them at the be- as soon as we get into the locker room, we'll say, okay, um, we're going to come out, and I'm not going to tell you what the, the, what the code word is, but <laughs> we're going to come out in this defense. We won't tell anybody. <laughs> we're going to come out in this defense, uh, so, so-and-so, you're going to start for so-and-so. Um, and one time that was, a, that was a problem, understandably, for the girl who had started every game, and I totally get it. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she came to me at halftime and said, can you help me understand – why why you're making this change and it's valid i mean and so we have to have an answer and we have to be able to explain mm-hmm. why um you know what this answer was actually different than the one we've usually mm-hmm. done normally it's we go back with starters i, I yeah normally, I, I've, yeah really okay. okay so jace i have no real data to support this on but i've seen many many games in my life and i've noticed a majority of those games and i'm I'm almost willing to say every game that I can remember being at, they've always went back to the starters. And I can't really say the percentage, but if it doesn't work, then why not just try something new? Sure. Yeah. That was uh, that was a big Bob Knight thing. Is For some reason, that was a weird thing that he, he took a stand on was the – if a player has earned starting the second half, right. then let them. Like, mm-hmm. I, there's no yep. reason. There's no reason not to. You know, I, I guess I haven't thought about this a ton. I, <laughs> I, I mean, it just what, it's just what makes yeah. sense to me that mm-hmm. that this is what our team needs at this point, and uh, so this is this is how it's going to work. High school ball, so it's so complicated because mm-hmm. you're, you're dealing with there's still kids, right? At yep. the end of the day, mm-hmm. and. Their brain hasn't fully developed, and now you've got to explain things to them. And as easy as it is for me as a 28-year-old guy to say, it doesn't matter who starts the second <laughs> half. Like, what, what, why, do you, why do you care? Like, why, there are so many more important things to be paying attention to right now. That's just impossible to explain to a teenager. Yep. I mean, that, that is what they see. I mean, they, what, what they are experiencing in the moment is mm-hmm. pain and embarrassment and frustration, and we have to understand yeah. that. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, no, isn't yeah. that the definition of team is like sacrificing yeah. something of yours for the betterment of the group? Or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I say I don't know, but I have my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now let's jump back to your high school career. Okay. 
You played for Coach Renberger, right? I did. He's a pretty intense coach, isn't he? He is. Um, He's a good coach, though. Probably more so when I was there. Um, (laughs) That's not – I played for Coach Edwards, baseball for Coach Edwards. Yep. he was a fun guest. Yeah, we had him on. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, oh, Coach Edwards. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I listened to that. One. Have you had? You haven't had Coach Rainberger on, have uh, you? Yeah. No. no. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I would say both of them have mellowed somewhat, um, and I, I don't think that's bad uh, or no. good for in any way. But anyways, uh, yeah, Coach Rainberger, the. I find myself emulating the way he ran practices mm-hmm. all the time. His practices were competitive. He was so organized. He worked so hard ahead of time to know what we were going to do. Um, they were they. We moved through things quickly. There was there were never any down moments. Um, so I, f- I find myself trying to run practice like Coach Renberger in oh, practices with efficiency, efficiency, uh-huh. and yeah, just preparedness and. And again, every everything we do, we are keeping score of at, at some level. Right. I mean, we are. It's a. It's some sort of competition, mm-hmm. and that's a Coach Rinberger thing. Okay. Are the days of screaming coaches over? I hope so. I mean, I. Okay. Again, just my opinion. I, I'm 28 years old. I've done. I've coached basketball or high. You know, been a head coach for one year, so I, I could be just blowing smoke, but. Uh, a fear state is not a flow state. We never want our players to be afraid of consequences mm-hmm. on the court. Um, we never want them thinking about what am I going to look like on film later? What uh, is coach going to yell at me when, when this happens? That just is, that just doesn't bring optimal performance based off what we know of, of psychology at this point. Um, not having a fear of making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want them to have a fear of making a mistake. And, and obviously mistakes have their own consequences. If I turn the ball over, that's a, that's a consequence in and of itself, even if the coach doesn't scream at me or mm-hmm. immediately rip me out of the game. Um, and so we want our kids to. Um, Everything's a learning. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you are. You're welcome you are welcome to make mistakes. Again, there are consequences for those mistakes, right. but it, those will come by themselves. Um, yeah, so I, I I can't bring myself to, to scream at kids. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of hope those days are, are waning. I mean, even with me, I remember those long rides home with Savannah when she was little. And now that I think about it, it made no sense to have that because mm-hmm. she just tuned me out after right, so long, right. and mm-hmm. now our relationship is so opposite. Mm. Now it's like I don't care what you do, kid. I'm cheering <laughs> you on. Yeah, you make a mistake, so what? Put it in your rear view. It's yeah. over. Yeah. Nothing we can do about it now. Yeah. Back then, I was like, dude, you had a cutoff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and and we know fear is an excellent short-term motivator. Mm-hmm. If I threaten the girls with whoever loses this drill will run sprints, they will probably do that drill harder than they naturally would. So it works in the short term, but over time it just doesn't work. And that's right. not what we – we don't want kids who become adults who are who are motivated by fear. We want mm-hmm. them to be intrinsically motivated and being able to – to push themselves and do things um, because they are self-motivated, not because they're motivated by fear. Um, and so th- that that's what we're working toward is we, we don't – yes, I, there, there was one time during practice that I messed up and I was frustrated at how 
it looked like we weren't taking a drill seriously. And so I said, okay, the loser will run sprints. And it just killed everything. I mean, it just. The vibe. Uh, yeah, the vibe. It yeah. worked. I mean, right. they played really darn hard. <laughs> and then they ran their, the losers ran their sprints. But it just, yeah, it just killed everything. It's just not who, it's not who we want to be. It's, it, yeah, that's just, that's just not how, um, in my opinion, based off my research, that's not how self-motivation works. I like that's, it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Coach Martin, you got anything to add? Yeah, I gotta let me let me run you through a couple quick questions. Okay, you can think real quick. It looks like so. Let's. <laughs> he I'm, said I'm it looks like. Let's go. Let Let's jump back. Who's the best high school athlete you've ever seen? Uh, any sport. Any sport. Mm-hmm. It can be any school or an opponent. Somebody you played against. Somebody you played mm-hmm. with. Uh, William Barnes played at Marion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a picture in the Chronicle Tribune of him dunking on me, and his butt is right, <laughs> is right in my face. He was a senior my sophomore year. Uh, so in my mind, he's the best the best high school athlete. Okay. I played baseball with a kid named Ryan Spalding, who ended mm-hmm. up playing at Ball State. Yep. Insanely quick hands and um, just worked really, really hard. So I'd, I'd say those two. Um, this is probably just recency bias, but Daya Green is at, she she holds four school records basketball wise. I believe three volleyball school mm-hmm. records. Yep. Has won a, uh, a softball regional. I, I, this might just be recency bias, but I think she is up there with the best high school athletes I've I've seen. Now you you mentioned that you're gonna you did some broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Who would your all time play by play man be? Oh man, uh, Don Fisher probably mm-hmm. uh, for Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I really like the Cincinnati Reds, and I I'm not I don't necessarily care for the Cubs, but I spent uh, most evenings in the summer growing up listening to Pat Hughes and Ron Santo mm-hmm. on the radio. So there's something special about that. Yep. Yeah, he likes the Reds. <laughs> you like the Yankees. Yeah. Why can't anybody like the Red Sox around here? <laughs> the who? <laughs> <laughs> they they were they were not very good at the, I mean, <laughs> for a long time. For a long time, yeah. That, I mean, it has to be part of it. Now, now, who's been the biggest inspiration in your life? Um, my dad. Uh, in in a lot of ways, um, I as much as I don't want to admit it, I find myself being more like him every day, <laughs> um, talking more like him, and um. My wife, Kendall, we've been married for, for eight years, and so uh, we got married when I was 20. So my entire adult life, she has been a massive influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd say those two. Good. What's your favorite sport to watch? Basketball. College or pro? College. Oh, it's got to be definitely, definitely <laughs> college. I mean, they it's basically – they take five steps in the NBA. Oh, I know. <laughs> and they flop. That's, that's yeah. not. Okay, so so the reason I prefer college over the NBA is, in my mind, NBA players are just too good. Mm-hmm. Like, the game is just too – they're too, they're so good, the game becomes boring. Because you have ten guys on the court who kind of, whenever they want, can at least get a shot off, can uh-huh. at least get a good look. And it just – I don't know. I appreciate the strategy. And honestly, I'm not just saying this because I'm a high school coach, but I really enjoy watching high school basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just – I do too. Uh, it, it is the, – the level of strategy and the, the amount of intensity and just watching, watching kids work really hard for something, it is – it's just really special. I'll tell you what's funny. As I'm getting older, like I'm sitting in the, in the bleachers, and I'm like, Good job on that timeout, coach. That was a <laughs> yeah, that was a very strategic timeout. Like I'm, 
breaking it down to when the coach takes timeouts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, it's fun to do. And, it, and, and there is so much more – there's more strategy in my mind in high school basketball than in college because – Zones aren't necessarily a thing in college, or they aren't as big a factor. Zone presses aren't as big a factor. Your offenses don't have to be perfect because it, someone can at the college and, and pro level, someone can bail you out uh-huh. because they can they can make a tough shot or at least take a tough shot. So just the because I enjoy the strategy part of basketball. I, I mean, high school basketball is really really fun to watch. It is. It I, is I, I think so after fun. that, it'd be. I would. Prefer watching small college basketball like okay. like I woo. Yeah, I mean that's just and the way them guys down in the paint beat each other up. It's like they wouldn't allow this in high school. Yeah, but that's what some of these high school kids need to realize that if, if you're wanting to go next level, yeah, it's 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 a different beast. You got to get physical. And that's uh, so I'm I'm sure it's probably in the back of your head as you're like, man, you're looking at some of these junior high kids and it's like. And you going to get like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, right? <laughs> Isn't that the strangest thing? Because, like, you're looking at middle school kids and you're like, man, that kid's good. And then he never hits a growth spurt. And, yep. he, you know, he's just as good as he or as he was in eighth grade. And then the kid at the end of the bench is now 6'3", <laughs> 220. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's why I want every kid to play every mm-hmm. year because we yep. don't know what's going to happen. Right. And yep. Yeah, the goal is every kid wants to come back next year because, yeah, I, I mean, Grace Wood could grow another three inches. Right. And, and mm-hmm. we want her to play every single year. Sweet. That's awesome. That's, well, I think you got a good thing going over yeah. there. Thank you. It I'm sounds – Having a lot of fun. Sounds like a decent foundation. It does. It does. Got to start somewhere, right, Coach? That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. And, and you, you've you've got that excitement, too. That's yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well – we appreciate you taking time, Coach Martin. Yeah, appreciate it. It's been a yep. lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would like to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Beast Prince out of Fairmount, Mama Pearson's Soporium here in Gas City. Get your smell good That's on. That's right. Ted. And the wonderful, amazing Jennifer Swanner at Nicholson 2.0. Buying or selling. Buying or selling. Get a hold of her. Get a hold of her. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya.